Bullies, welcome back. It's the last of the division episodes here. Time for the East. Join with me once again. It's my humble co-host, Aaron. What's up, everybody? And we are here to finish off the division series, as I mentioned here. So this will be the last one here, and then we're going to transition into something a little bit different with our grading pod next, and then potentially a surprise episode from Trent here in a few weeks. So let's get right into it. We're not going to beat around the bush at all. And we'll start first with Devin, the Metropolis Magicians. All right. Joining us now, we have the Metropolis Magicians. Devin, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you guys doing? Good. Oh, fantastic. So, Devin, what was your strategy going into this draft? My strategy... Through the first eight rounds were to basically split it and go well the one rookie pick to get the the first rookie pick and then four wide receiver, three running back. I roughly did that. I did take a tight end a little earlier than what I wanted to, but in the end, I think I did pretty good. After round eight, it was basically just wing it and see how it goes because most talent is off the board by that point. Did you know the whole time that you wanted to get rookie 101? Yeah. It's the only way I was going to get Jacobs, so... So you really like Jacobs, then? Not that I really like him, but he's an immediate impact, and there's, he's going to be the only running back that's an immediate impact in fantasy this year. So did your draft go uh, as well as you'd hoped, or did it go better than you had hoped? Most of the players I was targeting, I got. Um, everything that I wanted, I got, so... I can't complain. It went as good as hoped. What's a guy that you really wanted to get on your team, but somebody sniped you? I don't believe I really got sniped. The players that I wanted and like truly wanted to target, I got. Um, so, for example, uh, I knew I wanted Dak Prescott in the later rounds. He's going to be a good quarterback to stream the first... 12 weeks of the season. Um, I then went and got Phillip Rivers as that veteran, always going to be solid quarterback. I wanted Chris Carson. I went and got him. And then the team can't be complete without Josh Gordon, so I took him. And I reached for him, but ultimately, you have to have Josh Gordon on your team to win. So what was your actual favorite pick that you made the entire draft? I think it would have to be the rookie pick. Um, I get a running back for the future, and then with the second pick, I took Fant, so that addresses my tight end need for the future if everything works out with him, which it should. All right, lastly, Devin, uh, you've looked at all the rosters in the league, and you can't say yourself, but who's, uh, who's one roster you uh, really like? If I can't say myself, I'm going to have to say Dylan, the, the Pine Grove Grovers. He has a relatively similar roster but his defense is much better than mine so i think he edges me out and is the best roster in the league all right so Devin, i noticed you made a lot of trades you made how many is it here it looks like nine out of your first 12 
picks were traded and you picked from someone else's position, did you have the mindset that you wanted to trade all those picks going into the draft or was it more of a spontaneous type of thing? I wanted to trade back early as much as I could um, to get not late, but like in the range of eight through 12, like more picks around that range. Um, I only tried it up once and that's because Joey came to me and said he was going to take Carson. So I was forced to uh, get my guy and trade, trade up. Um, But it kind of worked for me. I wanted to take more defensive talent early, but because I put myself in a bit of a trading hole, like I didn't have picks the 10th or 14th, so I had to reach for some guys before I would be locked out of making a pick unless I wanted to trade up. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, I think you actually traded the most out of everybody going through the first 12 rounds aside from maybe Nick. I'm not sure how much he traded in that time span here, but... Aaron, what was uh, your favorite pick that Devin made here? All right, so I'm going to go into uh, left field a little bit here with my, uh, my pick from Devin's roster. and Because I was going to take this player in round 31, Devin took Jack Doyle. And it's not that I think Jack Doyle is going to be an amazing tight end or anything. But he was nearly as good as Ebron when he came back healthy last season. And Devin basically got him for free. And I mean, when you can get him maybe top 12 top 15 tight end for free uh given how quickly they went in this league you know i would uh i have no qualms with that pick uh, if we're looking a little earlier i would uh give the nod to Dion jones he was my my number one linebacker and Devin sniped him from me before it was uh my pick in the ninth round so those would be the two players i would shout out yeah, for me personally, I actually really liked your uh, Jonathan Allen pick. I was looking at him around that area, so you kind of uh, took him off my hands a little bit earlier. Uh, I liked your Clowney pick as well in uh, round 26. That was a pretty good steal, actually. And then uh, round 36, I was also looking at Jake Kumaro. I think that he could potentially put up some decent numbers this year, so that was also a pretty solid pick there. So good job with those picks. Thank you, thank you. I was targeting... Um... Debt Doyle later on. I got Ebron early, and he should be a solid tight end, but there has been injury problems between Ebron and Doyle, so I wanted to handcuff the tight end in Indianapolis. It's a smart move. Yeah, I just kept sitting on it. I didn't think anyone was going to uh, actually take Jack Doyle. And, of course, the round that I was I was prepared to invest, you uh, beat me to it. All right, Devin. Well, thank you for chatting with us, and we will see you out there. Good luck in the season. Hope you guys do decent. But not too good, right? Yeah, not too good. <laughs> it's understandable. Good talk. All right, so Devin's team. Definitely uh, interesting, to say the least. I guess we can say that about everything that Devin does, really. Made a uh, pretty big trade, shipping away Melvin Gordon to you, actually. So uh, what was your mindset behind that deal? You shook up Devin's team pretty good. For me, I just saw it as an opportunity to get a potential top five running back for uh, for a discount. I mean, I think if Melvin Gordon didn't have this contract situation, I don't think I would have been able to get Gordon for that price. But I'm kind of taking a gamble and hoping that, you know, he doesn't hold out for an extended period of time and that he does come back and play. And hopefully, if he does, it rounds out my roster really well. But I also think it worked out well for Devin. Because, I mean, I might be biased, but I do think that the depth pieces that I gave him for Gordon 
are an upgrade over what he gave Dan for Dalvin Cook. And then Dalvin Cook and Melvin Gordon are almost a push. So I do think it still worked out for Devin in the end. Yes, yeah, so basically he ended up uh, just getting some extra picks, well, an extra pick, and uh, getting Curtis Samuel and Rashad Penny out of that. So now Devin's got a, a lot of picks here at the beginning of the 2020 draft. So he's got five picks in the first three rounds. Not a bad haul. But yeah, he's got a pretty solid haul at each of his positions here. I definitely like the linebackers that he has here with uh, Deion Jones, Jadavian Clowney, and then a mixture of a few other pass rushers in there as well. Pretty good wide receivers there with A.B., Robbie Anderson, and of course the upside potential of Josh Gordon if he can come back from a suspension. And then having Deck Prescott as the QB1 with Philip Rivers subbing in and out. So how many wins do you think he's going to get? Well... I do think this is a really solid team across the board. I don't think it's weak in any one area specifically. If I had to give a ballpark guess on his record, I'd probably say somewhere in the six to eight win range. I think this is definitely a playoff contender. Yeah, I agree completely. I do also think that he's probably looking at six on the low end, probably eight on the high end. He is probably going to be one of those teams that is in playoff contention. I don't know if he can go all the way. It kind of depends on if you get a breakout from some of the other wide receivers not named AB in there on the list, but high upside running backs, and this team should be able to make some noise this year. So coming up next, we got Joey, man who has tinkered more than anyone else. Let's go out here to Boston and see his team. All right, and next up we got Mr. Wolf, the Boston Clams. How you doing tonight, boss? I'm doing well. Had a nice uh, holiday weekend here. That's a nice relaxing time, and now ready to focus on the upcoming year. I'm glad you didn't, Jason Pierre, Paul yourself this weekend. I mean, it was very close. My, uh, <laughs> we were using uh, PVC pipes, putting them in the ground, and then launching bottle rockets out of them. And uh, one decided to fly backwards, but uh. I almost lost a toe <laughs> instead of a finger. It was rolling around on the ground. Needless to say, we were all jumping and screaming. But I, I lived to tell the tale, so we're good. All right, so why don't you explain to us here what your strategy was going into the draft? Um, it was pretty clear when I had the opportunity to move up to number one that that was like uh, a close comrade has said. That's probably going to the, the be the cheapest you'll see Saquon Barkley go for the entirety of this dynasty, at least until the very end of his career. So I knew that decision was right off the bat. And then it was easy to pivot around that decision. Saquon's clearly a very young player, but can also help win now. So really in the second round or the end of the first is where I needed to decide where I was going. And um, I had the opportunity to trade up to 112. And after some mocks that we were participating in, it seemed like there was a small chance that Michael Thomas would fall based on some of the other players' preferences. And so I put myself in position to capitalize on that while me, while, while not giving up too much. So unfortunately, he went. And fortunate enough, uh, some players were reached for, to put it politely. And uh, Juju kind of fell into my lap. At 112. So at that point, I realized I had a very strong opportunity to build a very young core. Um, 
And so I've played it around on both my offense and defense to really get some of a mix of boomer bust and consistency. But the core is youth throughout the entirety of my roster, besides Aaron Rodgers, I guess. But he was just too good of a value to pass up. Now, going into strategy a little more, you were probably one of the top two or three in terms of uh, just pure trading. Was that was that something you were intending to do, or did it kind of just uh, spur of the moment you saw an opportunity and you uh, you took it? Um. Quite frankly, I feel like there were three categories, I guess, of people throughout this draft. Um, there were a few that, like you said, saw the opportunity and took it very often. Um, I'll, I'll name drop. I'd probably say you two are in there. Um, Nick, Devin. Um, yeah, I'd probably say you guys are the main ones that went with that strategy. And then at the bottom... Uh, I mean, in the I'll go with the middle, and then everybody else can get left out. But in the middle, it was me. I'd probably say Jason a little bit, Dylan. Um, just trying to think, probably primarily it. That were just looking to look for opportunities and execute on them, whether that be trading up or trading back. Um, throughout the draft, personally, I in a lot of situations was looking to move back. Um, and a lot of my moving up was done prior to the draft, so that way I could game plan. And I think during the draft, the only spot that I traded up during the draft... Actually, I don't even know if I did trade up during the normal draft. I know in the rookie draft, I traded up for Rodney Anderson. But other than that, during mid-draft, I'm not sure if I traded up at all. So I was really just looking to trade back and capitalize on getting some more... Uh, uh, draft capital that way i could bolster my team with more youth and future assets so did the draft turn out as well as you had hoped or did it go better than you had hoped quite frankly it went worse uh based on some of my uh, pre-draft strategy and some mocks that we could see an expectation for i i really was someone who did not anticipate going with the strategy that i did um, I went a little more youth heavy than I was anticipating, which it's hard to look at as a bad or a good thing. Um, it gives me the opportunity to avoid being mediocre if that's being put in a good way. I don't want to be the, uh, Atlanta Hawks of the two thousands, if that is a good enough reference. So in this particular situation, I have a lot of young, of young, of a young core, and like I said, I do have quite a bit on both the offensive and defensive side that are boom or bust, and so I did give myself the potential to have those type of players on my roster in case they do boom. So that way, I can either keep them on my roster and compete, or capitalize on their value and trade it away for either more future assets and continue with like a an interest effect or a compounding interest effect or get some win now if i see the opportunity where maybe the rest of, i'm trying to ying where everybody is yanging if that makes sense yeah definitely gotta capitalize you know if ever if all 12 people are doing the same thing you know it doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense for any of them you know 
someone's falling behind. Right. And so that's why in the draft and even in the startup and in the rookie, um, I felt like it seemed a lot of people were either going for win now or they're trying to get a combination of the two. And so the latter of those, I was really trying to avoid for the sake of avoiding being mediocre. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I might be the only one who really targeted a youth style roster. So I'm really hoping that pays dividends for me, but it'll rely on some active moves, whether that be regards to uh, pickups, uh, fab, or trades for me to purely execute it. So, uh, so Joey, were there any players in particular that you really wanted to get on your team, but you were, you were sniped right as you wanted to get them? Honestly, I'll go with somebody that I passed on because of value, but really wanted. And that when I was talking earlier in that one to two turn range, I really was targeting Mike Evans for all the months leading up to the draft. Um, but having Juju available at the end of round one was just an impossible value to give up. So I am a little disappointed that I missed out on Mike Evans. I am a big fan. Um, I'm just trying to scroll through my roster and ring a bell. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I was, I knew Cole was planning on taking Tyree kill and I did want to trade ahead of him and snipe him. But I Cole it. made a very, uh, I mean, I'm not going to show you my cards, but uh, I was a little upset that I wasn't able to take that shot on Tyree Kill. Like I said, my roster does have a lot of boomer bust, and so I was hoping that everybody else would be a little too afraid of a potential suspension looming, and I figured I could invest that capital in it. So I'd probably say Mike Evans and Tyree Kill were two of the guys that I missed out on. Um, and once again, I was pretty upset in the rookie draft trading back from 4 to 11 because I am a big David Montgomery fan. But once again, the value for that pick I was offered was just I, I could not pass that up. So that's, tw that's twice, once in the rookie and in the startup, that I really wanted a guy. But it just the, the value at the present pick was too great for me to take them. So what was your favorite pick outside of your first round picks? My favorite was probably, I guess it's a little surprising, probably Derwin James. Just because from talking around the league, he was such a coveted IDP player. And for a IDP, which is definitely on the weaker side of the league, I, whether for all three positions, I'm probably one of the weaker rosters for IDP. I think having a, a solid star in Derwin James is a very uh, solid rock to build my defense around. So that one I was very excited about. Um, and then I'm excited about Cream Hunt. I, those would probably be my two favorites. I'm, I don't believe that the eight games are going to impact his career as much as some anticipate. Um, 
I do not believe he and Chubb will stay together long term. So I'm really going to look to hold on to him for the next for year two, year three, and expect a top five running back. If I could pair Kareem Hunt and Saquon together for years to come, I'd be very excited about that backfield. Uh, yeah, that Kareem Hunt pick could uh could be a huge payoff for you in 2020, uh, depending on where he signs. Uh, definitely one of the more bold picks of the whole draft, actually. Yeah, no, I, I really don't. For somebody, like I said, I'm not looking to win now. I feel like getting a guy like Kareem Hunt was so valuable for that sole reason. I'm honestly surprised that somebody didn't reach on him a little sooner. But I'm I'm happy to get him where I did, for sure. And then lastly, uh, obviously we've talked about all the teams in depth, uh, but besides your own team, uh, which team do you like the most? It can be either who you think is going to win this season the most likely, or it can just be a team who you think did a really good job with their team. I believe that my favorite besides mine would have to be the Denver Duckies. I just feel like they have a lot of high potential players, whether it be uh, Trubisky developing into a QB1, um, Dalvin Cook with a huge bounce back, uh, Don Foreman if he's able to stay healthy and take over the uh, Texans starting role. Clearly Kamara's great. And then that's not even getting into his wide receivers, who I'm a big fan of, like Sterling Shepard, Julio. I think Humphreys will carve out a role, and Tyler Boyd, uh, inevitable wide receiver one if Dalton stays with the Bengals and Green retires eventually within the four- or five-year mark. So I, I think with those high-potential players on the Duckies, along with some very uh, solid picks for his IDP, including both the Boses. Uh, I feel like the Duckies are a dark horse for years one through three. And I'm I'm excited to see how they do, especially being outside of my division. So Aaron, what were maybe one or two of your favorite picks from this man's roster? I'm going to go with, in the rookie draft, I feel like Joey got a really good value at the, what was the 111 with Paris Campbell. Uh, I mean, I think he's one of the better receivers in this class. He went to one of the better teams in the league that had a clear need for him. He's with one of the best QBs in the league. He doesn't have to be the number one. And I just think, uh, especially for Joey, who's trying to play for the future, I feel like Paris Campbell is a guy who uh, in a year or uh, two years' time could really uh, be a huge producer for his lineup. Which is uh, crazy if I quick jump in. Um, on that weekend getaway we were on for the entire weekend. Well, not the entire, but as soon as that trade was made for me to move back, I was uh, telling Dylan and Aaron both that I was really targeting going both LBs, uh, Bush and White, at the 111 and 204. But I just, once again, (laughs) the value of Campbell at 111 was just too great to pass on, or I probably... Would have went with the double linebacker. You got really, really good value your first three rounds. I think you did phenomenal with Campbell, Bush, and uh, Murray. So good job with that. 
But in the normal draft, for me, I really liked your Dante Pettis pick, obviously, because I'm a big fan. Uh, the Derwin James pick was really nice. I was planning on going him around that same area. I really liked your Teddy Bridgewater pick in round 35, because I think he's going to eventually end up being the guy there for years to come after Brees leaves, whether it be this year or the next year. So that's probably a really good pick this late in the draft. Yeah, I feel like um, quarterback I'm actually very strong at. I, I would say that's my strongest position. Um, having Aaron Rodgers to rely on for the next two, three years at minimum is pretty great. Um, and then having, uh, like you said, Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who is, clearly has skill and talent that is very likely to assume that role and position, I'm very excited about. And then to have the young studs in Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, and not to mention, and Will Greer, especially if Cam Newton continues to have health problems, I think um, is one of my favorite uh, prospects, quite frankly. So to have that core, that core five at my quarterback position, I'm I'm very excited about. You've got it set up uh, to where you've got the current like superstar uh, in Aaron Rodgers, and then you've got the long term potential with all those guys that could just be awesome. So you can use Rodgers as a sort of bridge for a year or two while these younger guys develop, and then as long as one of them hits pretty good, you'll be in fantastic shape. Yeah, that's what I'm really hoping for that position. The other ones are a little, definitely a little weaker, but I'm very confident in my quarterbacks. Well, thanks for joining us, Joey, and we will see you out there. No problem. Thanks for having me anytime. Sure thing, friend of the pod. All right, so Joey's team. This man's definitely, as I mentioned, made a lot of moves recently. Seems like he was uh, going with the win now strategy a little bit more recently as he has acquired Adam Thielen and George Kittle through trades. He was one of the youngest teams in the league, got a little bit older recently, still got a really young team all around, especially in the receiving court, got a lot of young prospects in there to stack along with the 101 Saquon Barkley and a few of their young talents at quarterback. Yeah, I think this team is probably right up there with yours in terms of uh, upside. I think just every level in offense, Joey could have, you know, one star, possibly two stars, the running back and receivers uh, all depends on Kareem Hunt's status for this season. And then even his depth has gotten a little better as of late he's got you know christian kirk Keyshawn johnson getting a ton of hype paris campbell he's not gonna have to worry about starting him to open his uh career and then at running back i think getting james white is a bit of a throw-in for adam thielen was definitely a solid move uh, i mean i don't think james white is the best running back in the world but especially if joey is trying to compete for this season james white should be able to mitigate the loss that he's going to have without Kareem Hunt for the first half of the season. If there is one area that I think Joey's going to end up struggling, it is going to be on the defensive side. While he does have you know, Derwin James and Devin Bush and Miles Garrett to lead each of those positions, his overall talent at the position is relatively weak. He's probably two or three deep at each position at most, and then the other guys on the roster are fringe kind of guys. So if there is anything that's going to hold this team back, it is going to be his defense, in my opinion. Yeah, linebacker uh, looks like it's going to be boom or bust every single week with those pass rushers, aside from Devin Bush here. He'll be starting Bradley Chubb and TJ Watt probably every week, and he could get a 30-burger from his defense uh, at linebacker, but he could also end up with 10 points. You never know. 
But Derwin James and Miles Garrett should lead their respective positions each week, probably around like five to 10 points a week from each of those. And then to preface that, his offense is pretty solid. It's a little top heavy at running back. But wide receiver Juju is 22, and he's already a high-end wide receiver one. So he should be good for, what, another at least 10 years. And quarterback, we got Aaron Rodgers at the top, mixed with the upside of Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. And then maybe Will Greer and Teddy Bridgewater can step forward here in the next few years for him. This team's got, like you said, a really, really high upside. I'm just not so sure they can contend for a title this year, per se. For Joey's team, I would probably say he's going to end up with, as I also said with Devin's team, probably low-end six wins, probably high-end around eight. And I do think he can make noise for the playoffs. Just not so sure he can really go deep into the playoffs this year. Might have to acquire a little bit more bench talent at wide receiver, potentially. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Joey, I see a similar upside of uh, eight wins and then potentially making a solid run in the playoffs. I do think his floor is a little lower than Devin's, though, just because he is relying on Kareem Hunt coming back and playing a big role in the second half. And that's not quite a guarantee at this point. And then Lamar Miller could always get replaced. He's not that good, though reliable. James White, Latavius Murray, both older guys. And uh, yeah, I just think his running back core is probably going to hold him back on the offensive end if he does end up at that five-win floor. Yeah, you're going to get your solid few points out of Latavius Murray each week with the high-scoring New Orleans Saints offense. And then Lamar Miller should provide his average running back two season per the norm here this year as long as he doesn't get replaced. This team, like I said, probably going to be pretty decent, but not so sure about a high end. All right, next we're going to head to Winnipeg. Talk to Nick, the Wendigos. All right, and joining with us now is the newcomer, Nick, the Winnipeg Wendigos. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Sitting good. here looking at rosters for the last half an hour, so that's been fun. <laughs> no doubt. All right, so what was your strategy coming into the draft? Um, definitely wide receiver heavy. Uh, try to get a couple of running backs that should be able to carry the position throughout the year but uh for the most part i want to go long term so i took as many wide receivers as i could that was the plan going in and that's kind of how it ended up going yeah you've got a bunch of those really high ceiling guys that could just pop off you might end up with so much uh on your team that you might not know what to do with it here if everything breaks right for you. <laughs> yeah no doubt i hope that's the way that it does break so, uh, so knowing that you were coming in, planning to grab uh, as many wide receivers as possible, uh, and then kind of punt the running back position a little bit, did you? Uh, were you satisfied with the uh, the crops at those respective positions you ended up with, or was it better or worse than you were expecting? Uh, I'd say every position I hit on at least a couple of players that I'm, for the most part, high on. So I'm happy with at least my starting lineup. And after that, yeah, wide receiver, very happy with. Running back's pretty scarce. I got McKinnon as my third. I like him, but I uh, could be a little bit sketchy throughout the year if he doesn't uh, pull out the starting job. Uh, Aside from that, yeah, like my two quarterbacks, Daniel Jones in the rookie draft is... (laughs) That's all right. I'll take it. You got him at a value, though. 
Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, tight end I'm good with. I got Hunter Henry. He'll be solid this year from all indications. Uh, Greg Olson in like the 36th round was good for me, at least for one year. He'll be uh, backing up. Yeah, so overall I'm happy with how it went. So did you end up getting sniped on somebody that you really wanted at any point? Well, I started piling up how many, like, 10th and 11th round picks. I was hoping a couple guys would drop down there and maybe I'd go on a run. Uh, was one guy I was kind of hoping would drop a little further was uh, uh, Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Should have maybe taken him a little bit earlier. But uh... Sorry about that. Not so <laughs> yeah, So everybody in this call was looking hard at Curtis Samuel then? Yeah. Yeah, definitely a hard look there. He's definitely a value pick at where he's going in pretty much all drafts. Mm-hmm. By the looks of it, primed to have a breakout year, so good luck with that. <laughs> all right, so what was your favorite pick on your roster outside of your first like two or three rounds or so? Uh, out of sight of my first two or three rounds is actually probably Anthony Miller in the 11th round. I have never been huge on him, but I'm starting to like him more and more. Uh, getting him in the 11th found to be pretty good value, as far as I can tell. So, uh, yeah, that would probably be my favorite pick outside the first few rounds. You know, I, uh, I'm a big Anthony Miller truther, so uh, if it gets like week six and you uh, aren't feeling too confident in the pick, I'm sure I'll trade something for him because uh, long been a fan of his. I just couldn't, yeah, I... Uh, couldn't justify taking him. Because I already had five receivers through like the first eight rounds. Yeah, that's yeah, fair enough. All right, so we talked about it a little bit uh, before we started recording. But uh, what's one team that you really think did a good job this draft? It can either be one that you think is primed to be a contender this year, or it can just be a team that you thought did a really good job building their team. Um, yeah, I'd probably have to go with a strategy different than my own. Looking at inside my own division at the Grovers, I would have to say that a strong running back core is definitely frightening. There's going to be a lot of points carried there with uh, Elliot, Connor, and Mack. Um, on top of that, you have, yeah, pretty much every position. I think maybe tight end with Vance McDonald, he could have another, what was he, like top eight last year? That's very possible again. Uh, that's really the only uh, on offense weakness that I can find. Cousins is at least solid. And then on defense, got the linebackers there with Keekley, Martinez, Littleton. That's a solid starting three. That'll probably be taking up the flex. D line is uh, solid. Got Quinn and Williams in there with that rookie pick. Should be uh, chomping at the bit to make some. Noise this first season. Uh, then the defensive back is, yeah, solid as well. Yeah, so all around, I'd say that uh, the Grovers are probably my favorite team aside from my own. Not by a huge margin, though. <laughs> I think there's been uh, three people so far on the pod that have actually picked uh, the Grovers as their top team, which is kind of crazy. So it looks like he's the favorite out of everybody to win the first season. Mm-hmm. Great job, Dylan. Yeah, good job, Dylan. Good job if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> All right, so Aaron, what's one or two of your favorite picks from this man's team? So I'm actually might be cheating a little bit, but I'm just going to go with uh, Nick's entire fifth round in the rookie draft. 
uh, because <laughs> every single player that he took, I was like trying to get. Uh, I really wanted Jermaine Pratt. I didn't think that that was a big enough name. I thought he was going to fall to me in the sixth. And then he got taken. Then my next target was Kelvin Harmon, who was one of my favorite receivers in the pre-draft process. Thought he was a steal in the fifth round. And the very next pick, Nick took him. And then I really thought about trading up for Miles Boykin, but I said, nah, there's nobody in between me and you know the next couple picks I think is going to take him. And then lo and behold, I see Nick trades up to the 512 and took Miles Boykin. And uh, so I then had to send Nick a message and uh, politely ask him to stop sniping me on all the guys I wanted. Because, uh, yeah, that was, that was a rough uh, like hour stretch there. But I think he got some fantastic value there. I mean, Boykin, we talked about it a little bit, but at the 512, as probably the most athletic outside receiver for the uh, Ravens, I think he could have a huge... Uh, you know, booming production, you know, right off the bat, there's not really any competition for him. So I'm going to go with specifically that Miles Boykin pick. Yeah, I think he did pretty good in the fifth round as well. I didn't think Boykin would, uh, well, I thought Boykin would go earlier. So I was pretty surprised that he went where he did. But uh, with your actual startup draft here, I obviously really liked your Aaron Jones pick enough to trade for him from you. <laughs> the uh, Quan Alexander pick was also great in round 14. He should rack up a bunch of tackles there. And I also like the Marcus Davenport pick in round 19. I feel like he could end up being a steal. He's got a lot of potential there being a first-round pick. And then Ronnie Harrison in round 23 was a decent pickup as well. And then uh, your Bill O'Brien uh, pick in round 32, saying a coach is kind of crazy, but still he's a good value there because he should be uh, coaching that team up for the next few years, and they look like they can make a run for perhaps a Super Bowl or two within the next five to ten years. So I think he did a really solid job getting value out of the draft. Thank you very much. I'm happy with how it went. It's good to have you in the league, too. Another person mm-hmm. knows that they're talking about that's interested. It's always welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy to be here. So in terms of your strategy, Nick, uh, I think you probably made more trades in the, this draft than probably two-thirds of the league combined. Uh, <laughs> it was very often you would trade back in one round, move up a couple rounds later in the draft. Uh, was that something you were planning on doing coming into the draft uh, since you've you know played in Dynasty before, uh, or was it just kind of a spur of the moment, didn't like what you saw and just wanted to scoop up some later value kind of deal? Uh, for the most part, I'd say that trading back was something I definitely felt like doing to begin with, but trading forward afterwards wasn't as much part of the strategy. It was more spur of the moment. I just kind of saw value where it was falling and just kind of swooped in where I could use whatever capital that I uh, ended up gaining from those trade backs and try to strengthen my team the best that I could. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not sure how much uh, capital is left for 2020. What do you have like your first like three picks? <laughs> I think I have maybe yeah a one, two and two threes perhaps. Oh, yeah. But capital. The second yeah. half is, yeah, a little, a little thinner. Those are all dart throws anyway. It's not, a, not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, for the most part. Can I just say while I have you here, I appreciate how easy it was to trade with you. <laughs> you didn't make it painful at all, so that was very, uh, very nice. Yeah, I always like building good relationships trade-wise. Makes things run smoother. 
And yeah, knowing what everybody wants makes things a lot easier. Gaining Instead that playing intel. the cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, well, thanks for coming on here, and uh, we will see you out there. So good job this season. Good luck. All right. Good luck to you, too. So Nick has gotten a little bit more running back depth as of recently. It's been a while since we did his interview here, but he did have four running backs at the time we interviewed him. Now he has seven, so he's kind of expanded that a little bit. Got a ton of high upside wide receivers here. Basically everyone on his uh, receiving bench here has the potential to break out. And he's got pretty solid value across the board. There's a ton of guys that have the potential to break out. It's just a matter of will they do it. Yeah, Nick has a very interesting team, I feel. He, at the time of the interview, was loaded at wide receiver and then was about too deep at running back. And then since then, he's acquired James Conner. He's acquired A.J. Green. He's you know, had to move some draft capital to make that happen. Uh, he did have to move Mike Evans, although in turn, he did pick up Conner, Arcega Whiteside, and a first. And so Nick is definitely not afraid to make moves that he thinks is going to benefit his team. Some are in the short term, some are in the long term. I think Nick just seems to be just trying to grab the value that is present at the time. And uh, yeah, I think he just has a ton of potential breakout receivers, a pretty great three stack at running back, and then a, a pretty solid defense across the board. Yeah, the James Conner pick up there was uh, pretty phenomenal by him. I mean, Mike Evans, sure, you're losing out on the upside, but you've got so many receivers on this team that could potentially end up putting out the same type of output that Evans was putting out for Tampa Bay anyway. So that was a pretty phenomenal move by him. And then he's got a really strong trio at quarterback. As long as Daniel Jones can develop and be something decent for the Giants, then you're at riches at the quarterback position there. Two good coaches as well. Bill O'Brien going to be solid as usual. Houston always ends up with around 9 to 10 wins per year, barring a quarterback injury. Bruce Arians should bring Tampa Bay back up a little bit. At least offensively, they're going to stay the same. Defensively, we can hope they can improve, probably pump out a few more wins there. And then Hunter Henry, who for me was the number four tight end overall, got him at a pretty solid value there. So I'm liking his upside. And I'm thinking uh, high end, he's probably going to end up with uh, seven to eight wins and then low end probably six. We've done the same projections for all three of these teams, but I feel like they're they're pretty similar in the potential upside. And there is a bit of a, a floor for all three of these teams. But yeah, Nick's got definitely a super high ceiling going forward past this year. He could potentially be one of the best teams in the league here if some of these wide receivers break right for him. Yeah, I think that's where the issue for me comes in with Nick's team is, especially with the recent news that AJ Green is probably going to miss a couple weeks in the regular season. He's depending on a lot of guys that either haven't been consistent or are just coming into the league. And he has, what, five rookie wide receivers. And it's never really a great idea to depend on rookie wide receivers for fantasy. And then Corey Davis, Mike Williams, we hope that they improve on their second-year seasons. For Mike Williams, I think it's a little more likely that it happens just because of the offense surrounding Corey Davis in Tennessee. But just because of the question marks that I have with his receiver core, not in terms of the talent, but just in terms of the actual production he'll get, 
I'm going to go on a low end of five wins and probably a ceiling of around seven wins, maybe eight. All right. And of course, we saved the best for last. So for our final interview of this 12-team series, we are going to head out to Pine Grove, talk to Dylan about his team. Join with us now, Mr. Brown. How you doing, dude? Doing pretty good. How about you? Pretty good, boss. Uh, how's it feel to be the tentative favorite in your division, potentially even the league? I think half the people that did their interviews picked you as their favorite team. Uh, I'm kind of don't get my hopes up till it actually happens in the redrafts. I had some uh, bad news with injuries, so yeah, everybody likes your team this year, dude. So why don't you give us some insight on the, what your strategy was coming into the draft? So my strategy kind of got busted in the beginning. Uh, I, my plan was to go running back, running back, and then hoping to get one of the top three tight ends being in dynasty. I had Kittle one and then I had Kelsey and then Ertz, but I would have been fine with either one of those. Like it didn't bother me. And every single one of them got taken for the third round. But the good thing about that was, is then some of the wide receivers fell that I did not expect to be there in the third. But when that strategy got busted, then, well, the whole plan was also too is, I mean, you guys know how I play. I need to have consistency, someone who is proven. So if you look at my roster, almost at every single spot, I'll have like two like young players, but then I always have one that's older and that's proven. That way I can just rely on him to stay like consistent points in case one of them fall off. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think through the first like 10 plus rounds, you made solid picks in every round. I don't think you reached on anybody. I think you grabbed some solid pieces overall. And, uh, with that being said, do you think that given that you had to shift your strategy a little bit, do you think it turned out better than you were thinking, worse than you were thinking, or just kind of where's your head at after the uh, the two drafts? Well, when I was doing my like own kind of mock, when I had taking a tight end in the third, it was really hard for me to expect, especially with everyone taking some phony picks that threw me off a little bit in this draft. But uh, it kind of like, I don't know, I felt like it worked out a little bit better than what I had. but. Then again, I really can't say because there's 40, like 40 rounds in this. So like I was from what I was trying to predict, I obviously couldn't go that far. So but through the first like 10 rounds, I'd say it went better than what my initial strategy was. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of your DJ Moore pick, obviously. So that's a thing. So which guy did you get sniped on that you wanted the most? Uh, definitely, because I mean, maybe that like I was trying to like sneak some safeties in. So the worst one for me was uh, John Johnson because I was taking him the round after he got taken. I don't even remember the round. I just remember that pick because I was. I think I had it pre-drafted. And then also what I wanted to do is I was at work. I almost wanted to do what Aaron did because like when defense started going, I didn't expect him to go that early. I mean, I felt like it was good that they started going. My, my initial thought of it wasn't going to go to later. So I wanted to double up on DBs too. So I was going to trade up to a pick right behind me and get two of the top safeties. Well, I was at work, so I couldn't really trade talk with anyone. So I took Adams, and then, like, I think the next round or that same round, that's when Aaron took both uh, Neil and Collins, which that's I was going to go because I there's all the safeties still on the board. I was going to go Adams and James. And then when we started to get later, I wanted John Johnson, and I was trying to get uh, probably, I'll answer one of the other questions right away too, is uh, my my favorite pick, is Justin Reed 
because I feel like he's like underneath the radar, some people's radar, because he only started 12 games last year, had solid tackle numbers for his safety, and also can play the pass pretty well. So I was really happy in getting him, but then I just wanted to like combine it with like a young like safety core. Just didn't didn't work out, but that one's pretty bad. And Aaron knows probably the one didn't really hurt the most. John Johnson by far was the worst one to get sniped on, but I was going to take Carlos Hyde, the pick right like my next pick, and Aaron took him that round right before me too. That one hurt because that one I had pre-drafted, and I remember talking to him about it, and he uh, told me he was taking a running back, and then he told me what running back it was. I had to change my whole pre-draft selection for that next pick. Yeah, I think you legitimately sniped me more than anyone else in the entire draft. I The one that hurt me the most was the uh, round 12 pick where you took J.J. Watt. I was looking at that thinking, oh, Oh, we get JJ Watt. He's gonna fall right in my lap, and then right before me, <laughs> literally right before me. I I was liking him in that spot. I think before, like as I was like locking it in, I just like opened my phone to a message from Aaron saying like that I took your pick. But I I don't know if he's proven consistent. That was a that was a good starting at end for me. So you kind of briefly hit on uh, Justin Reed as your your favorite pick um, out of your earlier rounds is there any other players on your team you want to give a quick uh quick shout out for that you were able to land on your squad for this year it's kind of an earlier round but like Cole touched on it he liked him I I have pretty high hopes for DJ Moore so I want to see what he does but I don't know like every time I think of him I just think of Steve Smith right away senior so obviously uh you and me have talked uh a lot about all the teams in the league uh, obviously up the cabin, that's pretty much all we did with, uh, whenever we could avoid getting yelled at. So if you had to pick a team besides yourself, who is a team that you like the most, either just the way they built their team, if it's a team that's set up well for this year, or just any team that you uh, really like what they did? So now I kept jumping between this and debating and debating and debating of what I was going to say. And probably my favorite even doing anything it's probably going to be your team Aaron I, just the strategy behind it and how it like fell for you of getting all those wideouts I mean I felt bad because I kind of added to you when I took Marlon Mack but because I was going to either take him or Cup at that pick and then I took Marlon Mack so just added to your strategy but I felt like sticking to that like strategy that you had because I mean I knew it the entire time because we were like you said we talked a lot during the draft and everything so how well that you stuck to that strategy and how that strategy worked out for you is pretty great to see. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, definitely like the way it turned out for both of our teams, uh, for sure. All right, Cole, uh, what is one pick or two picks that you really liked from Dylan's draft overall? Obviously, uh, DJ Moore. I think he's going to be a stud. I probably won't talk too much about him because if I do, I'm going to overhype him for you. You won't be able to trade for him. So I like DJ Moore. Uh, I liked having Coleman as well. He was another pick that I was probably going to take in the eighth round slot when I actually got Aaron Donald. I was looking at taking Coleman there. I think he's going to be really good in San Francisco, so that's a good pick. And then I also like your trio of superstars you got here between rounds 9 and 13 with Jamal Adams, Luke Keekley, and J.J. Watt. You get a premier player at each of the defensive positions. 
And he also stocked up on really good players around there with Tyron Matthew, Corey Littleton, and Blake Martinez. You just got a really, really solid starting defense. And then to get Kirk Cousins as your QB1, who should be a pretty good stopgap for a few years until you can get like superstar in the draft or trade for one, I think he did uh, really well overall. And then I really like the Yannick Ngakwe pick. I was targeting him, and I think he's going to kind of break out a little bit this year. Yeah, it's hard to pick just one pick that I like from this team, which, I mean, might sound like I'm overstating it, but, I mean, really, there just weren't many picks that I didn't like especially early on from your team. Obviously, the Marlon Mack is a pretty easy one to pick out because I really wanted him in this. I thought I think he's going to be a great running back for this year behind that beastly Colts offensive line. Obviously, on the defense, you've got pretty great players at every level. Uh, if I'm going to go off the, the grain a little bit, I'm actually going to go with your, what I assume would be your top two backup receivers in Jameson Crowder in the 22nd, and then Paul Richardson in the 28th. Um, they're not exactly the most appealing of names, but I do think that both of them are in pretty good situations. Uh, Crowder playing with Adam Gase, who loves the slot, and Crowder's going to be the slot guy. I think he should perform at a pretty high flex level, maybe even in like that mid-wide receiver three range. And then Paul Richardson, it was only last year that he got signed to that huge contract in Washington. And I kind of hate the argument that somebody's got to catch the ball. But I do think that of the receivers that are in Washington, he's the best of the bunch. And so I think you got two pretty solid backups to go with your already all-around good starting lineup. Yeah, the Jameson Crowder pick was really, really solid, especially considering, like you said, uh, Gase loves the slot. And he's projecting Crowder to have between 70 and 90 catches this year. So he could be one of the best steals of the entire draft if he pans out. Plus, he's still, well, like 26 years old. He's still relatively young. So I think he did really, really well. I think the other thing to touch on some of those is, is like, I had to, had to, well, at like, even like through the beginning of the strategy, I was punting the quarterback position because I don't like taking quarterbacks early. Like, my very first redraft I ever did, I think I took it like, mid round or mid like mid middle round that's a redraft that so wasn't even dynasty and i was like wow this i mean it turned out okay but like i hated my depth and i just became a depth kind of guy so like my thing is is just going to adapt every year in dynasty so like i know that like, i mean crowd they're not like older players but they're like you'd per se veterans in the league now so like I wanted someone that I know that has a chance, like a pretty decent chance to get volume, which both them do. And the other thing is, is since I didn't get those tight ends, I had to punt the tight end position. But I mean, settling for Vance McDonald's not the worst because as like Aaron said, don't like saying it, but I mean like someone also has to catch the ball in Pittsburgh too, besides Juju. So Dylan, obviously a couple of days ago, you made a, a big move in trading James Conner, JJ, our Sega White side and a first round pick for Mike Evans. Uh, so could we just hear a little bit about what your what your game plan was there and why you decided to make that kind of move? Okay, so coming into this with I mean, not trying to be biased or anything, but like when we after the draft was first over, I felt like I had the best running back core in the league. So I knew I had a chance to move one. And I know that like a lot of people aren't that high on James Conner from a dynasty standpoint. I think he'll be good this year. And I think he could be good for like maybe next year. And I'd say two years, maybe depending on like if anything drastic happens in the season. 
but I could see him slightly falling out of it, out of the starting position. So I was like, why not make a move and get another solid receiver, which would just put my receiving core above what I wanted it to be and just like set myself. I, I have great cores at wide receiver and great cores at running back because I could afford to give away a running back knowing that I still have three solid running backs. Because after the draft was over, I did not expect to get Montgomery at five in the in the rookie draft. I expected them to all be gone. So, I mean, like, I'm not as high on Montgomery as I am Sanders out of that class, but at five, getting Montgomery is still good because I think he'll still get chances to be good. So, especially in the Bears offense. So, that's my thing with him. So, then, like, making the moving Connor just became like, okay, like, I think I should really do this. And then I did not expect to get Whiteside in the second. So that was another surprise for me. And then when I was talking trades with Nick, uh, I was going already thinking about moving like Connor and like a pick. And he was more appetized with the first round pick, which is fine. Cause like I was kind of expecting to give that away anyway, considering that like expecting my team to win the division, I'm going to make playoffs. So my pick's going to be later. All my, like all my picks would be later going into the draft. So that's, I kind of figured it was going to have to be a first round pick because I mean, getting a value. So, and then he was like, what about white side too? And my thing is, is like, well, kind of like looking at my team right now, I'm kind of like more of per se, like better team now. I mean, my team's good for like years to come. Like they're not old. I have good young cores, but like, I still have a good chance of winning now. So if I get Evans, that just even proves my chance more than with Connor. Like I feel like I have more win potential with Evans than I do Connor. And take trading Whiteside was more of a depth piece because I don't think this season he's really going to get too many chances. I think he's going to be a great receiver for Philly, but like for this year, I don't think he's going to. I think he'll come in like every once in a while, but I think he's going to be the replacement in that offense eventually for Aguilar like just playing in like his position and moving around. And I think he has great high potential to be something great in Philly, but that's just my opinion on it. And it's not, it's not going to be this year. So in order for me to win now, my better chances is, is to have Evans. That's the first big boy trade in the entire league that, and then the uh, three teamer that just went down the other night. So bold steps for you. I think you did a pretty good job with your interview here. The last one out of everybody. How do you think you did? Hope I did pretty good. It's fun listening to them all. They're all good, so. Heck yeah, man. That production quality goes up every episode, too. Hoping for more so the league goes on. All right, Dylan. Well, thank you for joining us, giving some insight to your squad here. Like I said, the favorite for the division and potentially the best competitor for the championship there, sir. You have a good one. You too. Good luck. So Dylan's team, I think it's pretty safe to say, has one of the best teams in the league. I think he just did a very good job drafting across the board. Coming out of the startup and rookie draft, I felt like his weakest spot was wide receiver on offense. I felt that he was three deep with DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, and Julian Edelman. But then after that, just his depth receivers weren't, they're not bad, but I didn't think they were guys I'd want to count on if I was him. But he took his biggest strength, which is at running back, and he turned that into Mike Evans, a potential you know, top five receiver for the next half a decade. And so I think that that move really rounded out his roster because now he has four pretty solid to great running backs and four pretty solid to great receivers that he can switch in and out every week depending on matchups. 
He has a really good defense overall, probably one of the top three if I looked across the board, just in terms of talent and depth. And then the positions where he's weak, I mean, quarterback and tight end, if you want to say weak, uh, but those are the positions that don't exactly hurt you to be at a disadvantage just because the point discrepancy isn't that big. So I think overall, Dylan probably had one of, if not the best, drafts overall. Yeah, I agree. He had a really, really solid draft, especially at the running back position. He had probably the best haul at running back in the whole league there. Traded away James Conner to Nick, but still really, really strong with Tevin Coleman, Zeke, Marlon Mack, and David Johnson there. Deion Lewis and Wendell Smallwood aren't going to really produce too much, but they could potentially fill in if there's an injury. Wide receiver, I'm a huge DJ Moore fan, so I love that pick. I stack him with Amari Cooper, get some good, solid production out of Julian Edelman for a year or two, and then the newly acquired Mike Evans is going to be a starter every week for at least the next few years for him. Tight end's a little bit weak, as Aaron mentioned. Um, not a huge fan of Tyler Eifert or Vance McDonald is the one, but maybe they could have a resurgent siege season there, especially Vance McDonald here with all those targets that were lost with the trade of Antonio Brown and the free agent loss of Jesse James there. Pretty good defensive line here too. Yannick Ngakwe, Quinton Williams, Ndamukong Sue, and J.J. Watt should provide pretty solid stats coming into the year. And just a really strong team overall. I also like his uh, safeties here with Jamal Adams and Tyron Matthew. And then he also hyped up Justin Reed a little bit. So we'll see how he does here in his second year. But for Dylan, I'm thinking low end. He's probably going to end up with seven wins in year one. He's a little bit of a more win now roster compared to some of the other teams. And I think high end, he's probably going to get nine or ten. So I'm thinking that he's going to be potential a contender for a championship in year one should be division champion for this first season as well. Yeah, I definitely think it's hard to discount Dylan's team. I just think in terms of his skill positions and his defense, he's probably one of the deepest, both in terms of the top end talent and the overall depth. So I think probably low end, I mean, I'll say six wins because anything can happen in fantasy, but I think his ceiling is you know probably nine wins and is probably one of the top contenders for the title this year. All right, now we'll do our four to one. So who do you have as your lowest ranked team in the division for this season? So in my fourth spot, uh, and I will preface it by saying that this is probably my favorite division to look at just because I do think all four teams did a pretty good job. I think they're all pretty competitive, and so there's no shade being thrown. Uh, My fourth team would be the Wendigos. Uh, just because, like I mentioned with the wide receivers, there if everything hits or if a lot of his receivers hit, he's looking really good at the position. But just given how many rookies he has and the situations with Corey Davis and Mike Williams, who, I mean, I'm personally not as high on as the consensus, I do think he's probably looking at more of a 2020 push, in my opinion. Uh, although I think, you know, by the time the season starts, his team's going to look completely different anyway because his team already looks uh, a good bit different than when he drafted. So who knows? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I also think that Nick will probably be the lowest-rated team in the division, like I said, for the season. Uh, but this team, as you also mentioned, is very tight, and anything could really happen record-wise here. If all his receivers hit, we could be looking at him as the top-rated team in the division, even potentially, but... The uh, the receivers, as you said, rookie year, 
they don't usually pan out. I'm also not a big fan of DJ Chark or Kelvin Harmon, so it's probably going to be a little bit lower rated for me here than a few of the other teams in the division here. But like we mentioned, a ton of upside here. Got a good core all around in most of the positions. We got young players stacked everywhere. Russell Wilson leading the team at quarterback, but I'm probably thinking he's going to be the lowest rated team for season one, but he's a very savvy owner, and I don't think he will be there going forward. Okay, for me, my number three is going to be Devin. I like Dak Prescott as a QB1 along with Philip Rivers here. Not so sure Philip Rivers is going to be able to put up the type of stats he did last year. He had a bit of an outlier for pass attempts, so I'm not so sure that he is going to perform the same way he did. Dak should be good again as long as he doesn't hold out. Running back, he's got the Seattle backfield locked up, so that's going to be good for him. Dalvin Cook's going to be good barring injury. Josh Jacobs should also be pretty good. So AB wideout, always going to be solid as long as him and Carr can gel. Got a decent amount of tight ends here that could show up here. Who knows, No fan might be able to do pretty decent there with Joe Flacco in his rookie year. But um, I just don't think that this team's going to be able to finish any higher than third based off the fact that there's not a ton of really, really high-end talent here. As long as Dalvin Cook breaks out, we could see this team end up in first. For me, I think it's a, a bit of a 2A, 2B kind of situation here, as I think these two teams are probably closer than any other pair in either of the other divisions I've seen. If I have to pick one to come in third, I will go ahead and pick the Clams. While I do like the moves that Joey's made to bolster his roster for this season, uh, running back with James White, receiver Adam Thielen, and tight end George Kittle, I still think Joey's biggest issue is just the next level starters for him because obviously the top end is going to pan out very well for him. But you look at receiver, he'll be depending on John Brown, Christian Kirk, maybe Paris Campbell, depending on how those receivers in front of him pan out. Running back, he's depending on Lamar Miller, James White, Latavius Murray, who all should be good, but we don't know for sure. And then, like I mentioned, when I talked about his team, just his defense is probably on the the bottom end in terms of the league as a whole. And so I do think that Joey has the pieces that are you know set for the future, but for me this year, I'd put him in third. And then I'll just go right into my second team, which is Devin in second place. I kind of think a little bit higher of his team than yours. I do like his running back stable a good bit. Yes, he downgraded in quotes from Gordon to Cook, but he got Rashad Penny, who I think is a pretty big upgrade over Tariq Cohen. He still has Josh Jacobs and Chris Carson. Kalen Balaj is getting a lot of hype this uh, training camp season. Take that for what you will. I think at receiver, he's probably one of the deeper teams in the league. He probably has six guys he can conceivably start any week right now. Maybe seven if you're high on Dante Moncrief. Probably one of the best tight end groups and then just a very solid defense all around. So I do think that Devin is uh, the second team here and a pretty strong wild card contender. And for my number two team, I've got Joey. 
I think that the high upside, you've got it running back here with Saquon mixed with Latavius Murray. You should have a really good season. And then Lamar Miller and James White as the third back at a flex that could put, uh, put together some solid running back two numbers mixed with the QBs that he has and Aaron Rodgers and potentially Josh Allen or Kyler Murray if they can produce and Juju at wide out with Adam Thielen and the newly acquired George Kittle. He's got a pretty high ceiling at the offensive skill positions there. Yeah, Joey's team overall is pretty solid. He's got a really high ceiling. As long as he can realize his ceiling, he could finish higher than second place in the division. But I don't think all of those players are going to end up performing at the top of their potential ceiling. So I definitely see a second place finish this year for him. Could be a little bit better coming forward in the next few years here, as long as he manages it properly there. Not so sure why he decided to kind of go back a little bit on his strategy of going super young and getting Adam Thielen. But he is a little bit better prepared to do a win now. And I could see him competing for a playoff spot and potentially a spot in the championship. And then coming in at number one, you've got the Pine Grove Growers, Dylan. He's probably the uh, one of the top three favorites here for the entire league championship. Just got a really solid core all around, especially at running back mixed with the defensive end position and the safeties. Got a pretty so-so quarterback and tight end combo, but that doesn't matter as much as we mentioned before, as so you can kind of get away with starting some average players at those positions. But as running backs are stellar, as long as Zeke doesn't hold out, he'll be in really solid shape. And then at the wide receivers, DJ Moore, I'm a huge fan of. We also said about Mike Evans, Julian Edelman, and Amari Cooper. Play those guys every single week at the flex, and he should be getting pretty solid floors out of all of those guys and a really high ceiling out of all the other positions on his lineup. He's just got studs everywhere. So, yeah, I could reasonably see Dylan uh, chasing a championship in his first year here. And then going forward, he's got one of the better, younger rosters that has a win-now potential to go on top of it. Yeah, I too agree. I think it's just one of the more solid rosters overall. I just don't think there's really any major weaknesses on it. If there are any concerns with Dylan's team, obviously there's the Ezekiel Elliott situation, much like Melvin Gordon, the threat of a holdout. And while I don't think personally that Elliott's going to hold out for much, if any, of the season, that concern is there. And in the event that Zeke decided to sit out for an extended portion of the season, I think Dylan would end up struggling a little bit at running back just because Marlon Mack should be good, and Montgomery hopefully will get the opportunity early on for him. But beyond that, there are you know, obviously less appealing options than Ezekiel Elliott, believe it or not. And then same thing at receiver. If he suffers an injury there, I do think that the depth is pretty low in terms of the talent level. Like I don't think they're terrible. Like I think they're all guys that could have decent weeks here and there. But none of them, you know, the likes of Devontae Parker, Paul Richardson, Jameson Crowder, Taylor Gabriel, uh, none of those guys scream consistency. And I'd end up getting pretty, pretty mad if I ended up be doing and picking between those four to uh, play my flex on a given week. So those are just a couple of the small concerns. But I do think that Dylan is probably one of the best, if not the best team for this year. All right, boys. Well, thanks for joining us for the last of the division series here. 
we're going to get into something a little bit different here with our next one. going to do a grading pod. And also we're going to do Trent's mystery podcast, as he mentioned in the group me today, which is July 31st. Just send him your team that you want and DM him which player you think is going to be your fantasy MVP here. We should have two episodes coming out here in the near future. So it's almost real football time. We're getting close. So I hope you guys are excited. And we're glad you're tuning into these pods. And we'll see you in the next one. Have a good one.